This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames game day in Chicago. The first of back-to-back. The Hawks tonight. Nashville to face the Predators tomorrow. Then back home for a couple. Little Thursday date at the Dome with the Dallas Stars. And then it's Vancouver. Final home game of the regular season. Two to go at home. Crazy. That's it. And then something about uh, something about playoffs coming up. So that's uh, So that's good. Uh, hour two of the program, uh, Boomer along with Pinder here on your Monday. Now a little, you know what this is? A little a treat. I know you usually have to oh. wait till Tuesday. You know, oh. going to move it for you. Little Stephen Brunt joining us here. Wow. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Yeah, we just, we just for a week, we're just going to shake things up here. All right. Just to I like that. Change yeah, things. Yeah, man. Yeah. Feels good. I don't want to wait. This is great. Because I mean, if if you wait a day, then this whole Ryu to the uh, to the I mean that's that's old news by tomorrow. So let's get to it today. What's uh, what's happened with Hunjin Ryu forearm tightness? Well, Been forearm there. tightness. Yeah, <laughs> yes, haven't we all? Um, Jeez. Yeah, it's. Um, I I'm not so sure this is you know something you know. The, easily kind of defined medically like this is i'm going to put it that way i don't think they know what else to do right now with ryu because and this goes back to last year the second half of last year and you know if you've watched him pitch you know that he is walking a fine line all the time he doesn't have to you know, say the least he's not overpowering in any way uh when he's on his fastball is kind of low low 90s and he has to have absolute pinpoint control and he just changes speed and he throws a change up and hits corners and um he's it's amazing that he can do what he can do without the kind of velocity that just about everybody in major league baseball has now but if he's off just a little bit or if his velocity we've seen if his velocity drops from 91 to 89 wouldn't seem like it makes that much of a difference but it makes a difference and he gets hit like it's bp like it's batting practice so that's you know we saw a lot of that in the second half last year you know, short in spring this year, maybe that's got something to do with it. He's a guy that has benefited from extra rest in the past, so they actually gave him extra rest between his first and second start. They went to a six-man rotation to kind of accommodate that. But he's just – he came out for that second start, and he was really erratic. He just um, – you know, he he kind of calmed the waters eventually, but by then he'd been hit pretty hard. And I just – I say, I don't know what – I don't think they know what to do. So – the one thing you can do is say, well, he's a little bit sore and shut him down for a while and send him away to, you know, maybe even, you know, maybe a rehab start, maybe not, but just see if that helps. And in the meantime, go back to, you know, they put Ross Stripling in the rotation, go back to, they'll go back to a five man rotation and uh, cross their fingers. But it's not like, you know, I think for Pete Walker, for the pitching coach and for everybody there, it's, he's just different than everybody else. And I don't know that, you know, the stuff that might work, you know, the ways you might get another starter kind of back on track, I'm not sure they work with Ryu. So, yeah, it's it would be easier if he was hurt because then you'd say he's hurt. But I'm not sure anybody's totally sure he's hurt. Seems very cryptic, uh, you know, that you would, you would treat him or you have to handle him differently than you would uh, – we're not. Are we talking physically? Like it's not a language barrier. I, I, I'm not trying to pry, I suppose. But why? Why is it that you would have to approach him differently? 
Well, just because he pitches differently. You know, yeah. he, just, he pitches differently than anybody in baseball, really. You know, like there's nobody that's the equivalent of him. He's a great big dude, you know, left-hander, but he pitches. It's, he's an absolute finesse guy, and he's made it work. And he was, you know, a Cy Young candidate a bunch of the years when he was with the Dodgers and was really good with the Jays in the shortened season in 2020 in the, the weird kind of 60-game season. He was really good in the first half last year, but then tailed off and – yeah, just, you know, we didn't see a lot of them in the spring. They kind of hit him in the spring because they don't like to show him off for teams that will, they'll potentially see in the first month because they don't want, because there's, you know, deception is a big part of what he does and they don't want anybody to get used to him. So we didn't really see him in the spring. But, um, yeah, the first two starts have not been encouraging. And if you heard Charlie Montoyo after that game, now Charlie's been, you know, he's been a little emotional the last bit because they have endured some of the worst statistically, you know, any way you want to measure it, the worst umpiring in history. Uh, the, you know, the Jeff Nelson game was unbelievable the other day when Charlie got himself thrown out. I've never seen Charlie. You know, Charlie has a whole thing about not getting mad. He used to do that in the minors when he was a minor league manager, but, you know, he's been through some stuff in his life that's given him perspective in terms of you know, what matters and what doesn't. And, uh, you know, he used to be a hothead, apparently, throwing stuff on the field. and He just doesn't do that. But if you saw him in that game, you know, with his eyes bugging out, that's so so but after the Ryu start you know normally you know Charlie has everybody's back it is a player's manager in every way and he didn't come out and kind of make excuses for Ryu you know he said I'm not going to talk about his track record I you know he's just got to be better you know I'm not going to talk about because normally what you would say is well we know this guy's done it in the past he's going to do it again we just have to be patient he didn't seem that patient and I think organizationally they're not that patient, and they shouldn't be because they're trying to win the World Series this year. Yeah, and they get an extra day of rest. It's, it's not ideal. The, the, I guess the silver lining is that Ross Stripling looked real good in that spot start that uh, did give him the extra day rest, so he'll slide into that spot in the rotation. And then on the other side, in terms of the lineup, you're missing Hernandez and Jansen, and suddenly it's the Collins and Zimmer and – Tapias of the world that this was not what we uh, closed our eyes and dreamt about as, as we previewed the, the Blue Jays season but some of these journeymen and very unsexy names have been okay yeah they have right they're not hitting on all cylinders offensively you know even you know and you can add the part about Hernandez being out for probably another 10 days or so uh you know obviously he's significant we do I think we we tend to you know, overlook him a little bit with the bows and the Vladdies, and uh, but you know, if you him sitting in that four spot, that's what anchors that 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 uh, batting order. Um, but you know, Vladdy has been either sensational or really cold. He's had a very you know oddball start where he's either hitting moonshots or he's striking out three times. Bo Bichette is just starting to get going a little bit. Guriel starting to get going a little bit. Springer has been better than just about everybody, um, but they're not the offensive powerhouse yet they will be like I, that's something i don't think you have to worry about they're going to score runs and they have gotten some contributions so collins the backup catcher the the guy they got um in the dealing away reese mcguire you know his reputation was that he was a bat first catcher who wasn't very good behind the plate and he, he has hit the last couple of games so that's helped uh, and you know, you know they need that and they need the you know santiago espinal at the bottom of the lineup to do something and they're, they're going to need uh you know, Matt Chapman to do things. And if it all, if, you know, if they all start kind of being what they should be, it's going to be like that Whamco lineup, in, you know, back in the day. Uh, it'll be really, really good. But the thing is they've been able to win, you know, they're, they're, they're six and four. They're 
on top of their division. Everybody in baseball, if you look at it, there's been a lot of kind of herky-jerky starts this year because, I think, because of the shortened spring. But they've got this tough schedule in April. They got to, As long as they keep their heads above water for April, they'll be fine. Um, it's, you know, it's it's super early. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, you know, the, look, the injuries, you know, you, 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 a guy, again, a guy like Danny Jansen, who we don't ever talk about, he's a pretty important cog in the machine right now. Missing, yeah. And so they carry three catchers, none of them uh, Moreno nor Jansen. Uh, you mentioned the schedule, 16 in a row that are only Boston, Houston, and the Yankees. That's real tough. Yeah, it's real tough. So they have an off day today. Boston's playing that early game today. The And uh, then, yeah, then they I think they play, what, 20 in 20 days? I think that's that's what happens after today. Oof. So, yeah, not – you see, so, you know, that's going to also require Charlie to be – prudent about how he uses his bullpen and the bullpen has been really good so far and and i think charlie's done a really nice job of spotting guys in and out uh and using as many of his arms because they can carry some extra arms this month until the rosters get cut down may or it, well they can for about another 10 days they can use some carry some extra guys and then may 1st they're going to get cut back to 26 players and only 13 pitchers so yeah he's going to make sure you have to make sure he doesn't burn guys out in the bullpen which means you need your starters to do what Manoa did yesterday, which is give you know give you give them some innings. Nobody's going to go you know, 120 pitches at this time of year, maybe not ever the way baseball is now. But if you can get five or six innings out of your starter and then bridge it and you know use different guys and spread it around a little bit, you'll be fine. But that's that that's this is everybody looked at the schedule once after the lockout was done. Looked at the schedule and said, man, that is going to be a brutal first month. So I think the goal should be get out of the first month over 500. And eventually you're going to start playing the Orioles. You know, you're going to have 19 games against them. And I know they're giving the Yankees fits right now, but that's how this thing is supposed to even out, is that you know, after a stretch that's only the Red Sox and the Yankees and, and, and the Astros, eventually you get a whole bunch of Baltimore. You know, I was going to say, uh, don't ask the Yankees about uh, about the Orioles, but you know, yeah. as far as the rotation is concerned, uh, the the one bright spot has been Manoa. And watching him yesterday, just fooling. I mean, there were a couple times there that slider just had guys looking foolish at the plate. He's really, I mean, he's feeling it right now. Well, and that was a start after his changeup was making guys Man. look silly. Like this is yeah. this guy's a weapon. Yeah, I thought you know it's funny. I thought yesterday, and that's I don't think he had his absolute hundred percent best stuff yesterday. I think he had better stuff the first start, but that's this that's the test. It's a, you know it's amazing again how few professional, never mind major league innings, how few professional innings this guy has pitched, and the fact that he kind of uh, like he's still really good yesterday, obviously, and and you know managed the game. He's a smart pitcher. It's not it's not just uh, he's not a thrower. He's he's a, he's really advanced. And, you know, pitches – now, that's not a killer lineup that Oakland has by any means. But I thought he just – he managed their lineup really well. And he's become this point of consistency. Um, you know, like you, you – the, the the phrase gets the, – the term gets misused sometimes in baseball. I'm talking about a stopper. But, you know, a stopper is not a closer. A stopper is a guy in your rotation who will stop a slide. That if you lose three games in a row, you've got a guy who comes up and you know you're going to get a quality start from him. And he's going to keep you in a game, and that's what Manoa is for this team right now. He's, you, you just, you, you just know that he's going to at at worst he's going to keep you in a game, and, and at best he can win a game all by himself. Yeah, he's you know he's tremendous. He's, um, so you know, hats off to the folks that scouted him and the folks that drafted him, and hats off to him for 
you know, not being intimidated one bit coming into the major leagues. Guy looks like he belongs, right? He really does look like he belongs. Big yeah. time. And, and you know, I, I want to change the tone of the conversation, but man, it, it hit a little. Uh, it hit hard yesterday when yeah. the word came out about Buck Martinez. We got a little internal kind of a heads up, and then uh, it was on the broadcast. Buck Martinez. I think for a lot of people, depending on how old you are and how much or where, where you take in your baseball. I mean, to me, you hear Buck Martinez's voice. You're at the ballpark. It's baseball and uh, a battle now with cancer. You're there in, in Toronto. You're around the ballpark, I guess. Tell us a little bit about you could see the emotion with with Jamie and Joe and just the, the vibe now, obviously, with Buck leaving the booth. Yeah, I think, well, shock, obviously, yesterday. I think, you know, a very small circle of people maybe knew this a few days before. I'm Not not me, um, yeah. but maybe some people internally knew uh, this was coming yesterday. Um, and, yeah, any of, look, I can only, I can speak as a colleague, yeah, and I've known Buck for a long time. You know, and a guy who, you know, I didn't cover him as a player, but that predates me a bit, but I did cover him when he was the manager of the Blue Jays, briefly. And, um I, you know, you'll hear the same thing from anybody who works with Buck is that, you know, he's one of the most generous guys in terms of sharing what he knows, being willing to have a conversation about baseball. Um, I've learned, uh, you know, and I continue to learn about the game from him. I, I value those conversations tremendously, whether it's in the spring or running into him in the press dining room or talking to, you know, we also talk fishing. He's a great fisherman. Uh, but yeah, and I think people, that you know, it's it's funny how baseball is about voices sometimes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right, and you know the, the the classic guys, you know the the Vin Scullys and the Ernie Harwells and you know Tom Cheek with the Jays for sure, and you know that it kind of it's the voice that gets embedded, in, and 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 Buck's voice is so, you know he's so distinctive, doesn't sound like anybody else on earth, and uh, I think that's part of the rhythm of people's summer. It's part of the soundtrack of their summer, which is a cliche, but it's true. Um. And you know it's funny you don't you know you don't necessarily appreciate that fully until it's taken away. And I think, I think that's I think that that's what's settling in for people today is, you know, like you, you know Buck's part of the, you know Buck's kind of part of the you know in, in a good way he's part of the furniture right he's he's yeah baseball Jays there's Buck, um, and now he's not going to be there for a while and I think that's you know we're, I think we're already feeling the absence of even though we haven't there hasn't been a game without him yet. Yeah, and I, I think in this country it's like, oh, well, he works for the Jays. But how many times is it playoffs and you're it's a TBS broadcast and there's Buck doing color? You're like, oh yeah, like this isn't just a yeah. one market guy. This is a revered, you know, color voice around the world for this sport. Yeah, he's worked. You know, he worked in. There was a stretch he worked in Bald with the Orioles too, which I think we all kind of forgot about. Um, you know, before he came back to the Jays. Um, but yeah, has called postseason games for uh, on the international broadcast, the World Baseball Classic. He knows a ton about stuff. Like like if you talk to him about baseball in Japan, because he, mm-hmm. he he's been there and called games. He's a real authority on international baseball. Uh, yeah, he's you know, you know again sometimes your own guys you take for granted, but I think you know around the baseball world, you know he's regarded as you know one of the one of the best in the business. Um, but I'm saying again, I, I always fall back on the fact that he's, you know, he's a good guy, and um, you know, if you talk to people like me who've known him for you know decades, or a kid who's producing a radio show who needs to get a guest on a you know a Sunday morning, and Buck picks up the phone and says, "Yeah, I'll do it," like that's that's he's a he's a he's a he's a great professional as well. 
Uh, and, and interestingly, I saw someone on Twitter made a great point. Uh, during the early days of the pandemic, it was Buck Martinez and Jamie Campbell that were doing Zoom calls with fans, trying to help out any way they could as, as you know, voices from coast to coast to coast in this nation when it was a really tough time and people were, I guess, holed up or isolating. And those two are now in all of our thoughts with the battles that they have. It's uh, the, keep them Remember that those actions that they had when they didn't have to and when other people needed some help, right? Yeah, that's that's a great point, right? Because they they did do that, you know. And and geez, Jamie, I think yeah, even got in his car and drove like to people's places far and wide to um, who were locked down during the pandemic to try and you know brighten up their day a little bit. Um, yeah, there it's this is it's been a grim kind of sobering you know few weeks for those around around the ball club and you know Jamie is soldiering on obviously and he's been very open about what he's going through. Um, and Buck says he's going to be back for the pennant race, and um, I'm gonna, I'm taking him at his word. Now on Saturday, the Raptors uh, they got punched in the mouth a little bit. One thirty-one, one eleven, sobering. Shaq said it would be a, a sweep. I think he had some people maybe agreeing with him. Injuries for the Raptors. Where does it leave them here now going into Game Two? Well, it can't get worse. <laughs> Let's start with that. Jeez. Right, like that was. That was brutal, and I think a lot of us, I would include myself in that. You know, having watched how the Raptors handled Philadelphia pretty well during the regular season, and how they've been played so well down the stretch, and you know, play everybody really tough. Um, you know, I said, look, they're not out of the series, but I think it was a bit of a shock. Um, like I, I still think they have a chance to win the series, and I thought they going in, they had a real chance to win the series, and uh, but boy, they got. Yeah, they got beat up, um, you know. But you know, Fred VanVleet taking two fouls like instantly changed that game a bit. And uh, you know, there's some things that kind of put them on their back foot. And some of their younger guys looked a little, little shell shocked playing in the playoffs for the first time. I think, although not Scotty Barnes, and you know, he's the he's the guy that's that was a gruesome looking ankle turn. Um, hard to, you know, you kind of wonder if he, he's going to be able to play in this series at all. Uh, he's definitely not. I don't think he's, there's any chance he's playing tonight. But yeah, you know, it's but you you know you can lose the first one on the road. You, you, they've got to win one in Philadelphia and then take care of business at home. And it, but I think you know it, it wasn't just that game. If you watched any of the games on the weekend, the difference in the NBA between playoff basketball and regular season basketball, like like the give a crap factor, is so much higher, and it's so much tougher, and the game's called differently. It's so much more physical. Like there's a lot of games in the regular season where you know even good teams just kind of walk through them, but you're not going to walk through like this. If the Raptors going to win this series, they're not going to, you know, they they can't count on Philadelphia taking a night off. I, you know, Philadelphia's kind of you know they they've, they've got a lot of pressure on them right now, and you know James Harden kind of came back to life in that game. He's looked awful for great chunks of the season. He looked more like James Harden. So this yeah this is not the team they played in the regular season and they're going to have to find a level and you know I don't I'm not sure they're deep enough I think that would be the one real issue it's you know they they've run six seven guys really hard this year because they had to because that's the way they could succeed but you know you wonder in a series like this whether whether they're going to have the depth to get through especially now that you know they're they're down looks like they're down three guys instantly Joel Embiid. Seven feet, two hundred and eighty pounds. Just yeah, if he's you a large, need it, large man. So when yeah, he's so thick, yeah, when he yeah, steps on your ankle, ankle or elbows you in the yeah. face, there's Ugh. there's a bit of force behind that. 
Yeah, it's as I say, it's a different game. And he's got look, he's got something to prove here. It's mm-hmm. not like he has the most glorious playoff history. He's, you know, he may well be the MVP in the league, but they've you know they got to win this series. They got to win more than that. So, and that crowd in Philly, I'll tell you, you know, it, it was great for them when they're winning. But if they if they start to slide here at, at all, you know, that crowd in Philly will turn on them like in an instant. So, yeah, you know, Raptors got to show up tonight and try and you know make make that happen and and. But you know, a very tall order. It's a great thing about. Sorry, I was going to say it's the great thing about Philly. It's always kind of a 50-50 proposition who's going to get booed more on any given night. (laughs) Oh yeah, the home team or the visitor. It's up for grabs. I guarantee you, it's the the home team. Like (laughs) there's not that anybody there's got a you know real axe to grind with Fred Van Vliet. But I'll tell you, if James Harden starts walking (laughs) through games again, they'll kill him. I was at a Phillies game when the draft was in Philadelphia, and I can tell you that night that the the Phillies were clearly the number two in the hearts of, hmm. uh, Phil- of Philadelphia fans that day. The faithful, as they say. Oh, Man, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, it was sort of faithful. It was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> it was really something. Yeah. Uh, but that's yep. what makes a good sports town. A lo- that's the one thing I love about Philly. They're, they're tough and irrational. Yes. They, uh, sports radio in Philly is interesting. It is, um, it, it is, there is more hostility per, per second of radio in Philadelphia than anywhere on earth, I think. Again, all self-directed. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. The no Austin Matthews last night. The Leafs uh, do win without him. While we have not had a playoff chase in the East since before Christmas, we knew who the eight teams were. We still don't have any sort of idea of who's playing who. The most likely outcome of any situation in the East is Leafs Lightning, but it could also be Leafs Bruins. Uh, walk us through what you see. Is it right to the scar tissue or the two-time defending champs? Fun choice, right? Yeah, it's not well. They're gonna have to. They're, yeah, they're gonna have to beat somebody. They haven't. They've. They're gonna have to beat somebody they've lost to before, or haven't beaten before, um, or somebody who's just won this. You know, a couple of Stanley Cups. Yeah, it's. There, there's not a really. There's not a soft option there. But you know what? They're they're a hundred point team, right? They. they you, 110 they points they'll probably beat, get to, right? Yeah, yeah, they should beat somebody. You know, um, see how Jack Campbell plays, right? It's. Like, like that's the easiest, the easiest thing in the world. Handicapping playoffs in the National Hockey League. Start with the goaltenders, and um, I don't think anybody has any idea how he's going to play in the playoffs. So, you know, that's that's what's killed him in the past. Among the things, now that's not what killed him against Montreal last year. But there's, yeah, there's. They've always had this. They've had the second best goalie in all of those first round series they've lost. So they can't. They they need him to play. Are you uh, falling off the grid? What's happening this week? Eventually, yeah, I, right. that is the plan. Yes, um, so that's why. So Monday, Thursday this week, and then mm-hmm. on Friday I'm going to disappear for a little while. Oh, boy, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm hoping to. Like you know, they have to look at these days. There are several boxes you have to tick before you are allowed off the grid, right? Mm-hmm. You have right. to, you know, do things. So I have to do all those things. So I'm not jinxing anything, but yes, I'm planning to go somewhere and do the things I like to do. Well, in fairness, we fall off the grid here at a moment's notice. You never know when it's coming that's to true. you. Even when we don't that's want to. True. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Thursday, pal. All right. See you, boys. There he is, Stephen Brunt. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk to David Amber from, uh, obviously, Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada, kickoff hour three. This hour is brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass.
spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They've got you covered. We'll talk Flames next. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a Flames game day, but coming up on Thursday, they'll be back at home against the Dallas Stars. McDonald's is giving you a chance to go and see the match. Hmm. Tickets, yeah. All you got to do, here's here's details. Text the word REWARD to 96960, or you can go to our website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to the contest page. You can enter it there, and you'll be in the draw. And then coming up on the morning of the 21st game day, we'll uh, make a random selection. And he, she will be off to the game. Score a game day deal. Get a Big Mac for just $3 plus tax on any Calgary Flames game day. Only on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants in Central and Southern Alberta. A Big Mac for three bones. Delicious. It's a Flames game day there in Chicago. Play the Blackhawks tonight. You were uh, saying in the commercial break, I don't you know. I don't know. Uh, not... Uh, not a lot of Hall of Famers on that uh, roster. Well, there's a lot of maybe you might be goods, but certainly not a lot of you've proven it in the NHLs. I mean, yes, you still have your Kane, Taves, Debrinkit, Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, but um, a bit of a fall even before the McCabe if, yeah. uh, fell off a little bit there. It's interesting. I've been kind of seeing uh, you know their backup goalie is Dominic Kubalik, healthy scratched. Anytime I felt like last mm. year. Good, another one of these good young players that's going to be strong for the Blackhawks. I mean, not that young, though. That's the thing. He came over late, but he uh, he did score a ton of goals last year as what, yeah. an older rookie, if I'm correct? Or is that two years ago? Well, it all kind of blends together. No, he had uh, 30 goals in 1920 and then 17 last year in 56 games. So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. 13 and 71. I'm, I'm guessing probably uh, maybe Derek King, not a fan of the. Uh, Night in, night out yeah, effort. And, and we'll see if the Hawks are fans of Derek King because he's an interim guy, right? We talked to Frank Cervelli last week, and Chicago certainly was one of those teams that he mentioned that would probably be looking for a head coach. New GM in place. Derek King was installed as the interim before uh, the GM was put in. So, I, yeah, I would guess that probably. I, that's a tough one, man. More, more so, I guess, for the GM than the coach. The coach, you just go out there and coach what you got. But what are you doing with that roster? What are you doing with that team? Well, and you, you want to see some structure, and that's what they, they, they seem to get with that coaching change in, in season. They gave their goaltender a better chance to deliver performances. Um, but is that enough if you're still only sixth from the bottom? I guess my point from the GM perspective was you have some younger players, you're going to have a good uh, another high draft pick this year. Are you? But with Patrick, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess first. they trade that way. They got two first in each of the next two years, so, but they don't have a first this year, which is probably the way to go. It sounds like next summer is better than this summer for the draft anyway. But with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, you don't have the authority to do much there, do you? You're really at the mercy of what they want to do. You may want to trade them, and that's well and good, but... Unless they say they can be traded, don't you feel like it's very much out of the GM's hands? It's full no moves, but I think you would understand how the players, there's certain directions they'd like more than others. So if you just tell them, hey, like, look, 2023 is an epic draft draft class. We're going to reset knowing we have two first rounders and try to make the most of it uh, draft-wise, not winning-wise. That might help them feel 
less inclined to stay in Chicago versus, hey, we're going to unload some bad money and chase guys in free agency, and really we think we can make the playoffs. Those are two totally different messages you're sending to future Hall of Famers, right? So I I, I think the Kane contract is easily moved. He has a matching contract to Jonathan Taves. They both have next year at $10.5 each, and then they're free agents. I wonder. I really do, especially with Kane, because he's the guy that probably is worth all that $10.5 million offensively with what he remains. Taves isn't a bad hockey player, but he isn't the, the shutdown centerman he used to be in the sense that he's 33. He's not 27. 27-year-old Jonathan Taves is a lot better than 33-year-old Jonathan Taves today, right? I just think with what they've meant to that team, you recall what it was like here with Jerome McGinley. Yep. Until it was the end, and it was very clear they were not making the playoffs, and he was an unrestricted free agent. It was Jerome. Do you even approach Jerome? You don't talk to Jerome in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Claude Giroux. It was very, you know, tiptoe around it. And well, maybe, well, maybe yep. there's a chance. I think it's. I, I don't disagree with you, but both similar. those guys got traded, right? The examples you gave me were guys they did move for assets. So maybe it is midseason, not the summer, but. But it was, I, I it was think right Pat- at essentially no, but, but deadline or just prior to on UFA year. Two face of franchise guys, two guys that did get moved. That's why I think it can't happen with Kane. But to your point, there will probably be a statue of him outside that building. Taves as well. If there's one for Kane, you know how it's going to work with those two. Uh, and that makes it even harder than Giroux and Aginla, who at least you could say, I'm trying to chase a championship. If I had to venture a guess, I would think that Kane would be more ac- Coveted? accepting of a, of a deal, perhaps. Taves is the captain. It's a harder deal for, to make with Kane, with, with Taves, too. Because, it is. Because he's not worth $10.5 million today. Yeah. He's, he's a good player, but he's not a $10.5 million player, and Kane probably is. He's going to finish with 90 to 100 points uh, again. Kane, despite... Well, you know, I was going to say having nobody. Alex DeBrinkett has 39 goals, and those two kind of... One r- of the best finishers in the game. Ride right. shotgun, but... 88 points in 71 games, 25 goals, 21 minutes a night, plays all every situation. You know what I mean? He has been he's been a good soldier there with everything that's gone on on and off the ice with that team. He's not it doesn't from from here anyway. Maybe the story's different there. But his performance really hasn't suffered. Doesn't look like a guy that's pouting. It isn't a get me the hell out of here. He's a hell of a player, mm-hmm. and you think early on in his career, like any of us, I guess, would be when you're young and you're cocky and you're really good at what you do, and then you get all the money, and then you win. Three he's, times. He's really matured into, into an impressive player, even though the, the numbers aren't where they used to be. Well, offensively, he's still great. Defensively, he was never elite, and he's been miserable this year, but the team's been miserable defensively and they've got a clear MO with what they want their top line to do and what they want the Taves line to do. One is go score and the other is go defend. They are one, seven and two in their last 10 games, 25 victories. That is more than Seattle. That is more than Arizona. And it's more than Philly and Montreal, but that is it. And uh, Kale Morris is a human that plays in the NHL. He's their oh. backup goalie at this moment. All hail I Kale. I believe uh, Colin Delia is a little dinged up. It's an emergency loan, so that probably has to be the instance. Um, yeah. Alex Vlasic, Alec Regula. Delicious. Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson. 
Ah, Mackenzie Entwistle. I feel like I, I feel like I know what he sounds like in my own in my own mind. I do too. As for the uh, as for the other team going in, it's the Calgary Flames coming off of. That's right. Kind of like that. Uh, coming off a win against the Arizona Coyotes, a team below one of those teams below Chicago. I don't know where Flames fans are at now. Flames fans, Daryl Sutter was asked about it. Did you hear the fans? They were chanting for 10. They were having a hell of a time. Here's what Daryl had to say about Flames fans. I'm on the street every day. And again, yesterday, you guys were on the street. Yeah. They're not talking about our individual stuff and all that, right? They're talking about the team. And, and all they want, as I said all along, this, this fan base here just wants honesty and hard work. That's it. Nothing else. All the other BS that people say and all that, they know better. They know the players better than I do. So I wonder what the, in a weird way, even though the Flames have qualified for the playoffs, they have the, they're very much in the driver's seat for the division title. What do the fans want to see? What do they expect to see? How critical are people going to be about performances? Because this past week, you can look at it and say, two out of the three periods against Seattle, you were not very good. Mm -hmm. You were not good against Vegas. And it took you 20 minutes to come to life against one of the worst teams in the league. And you yeah, probably you f- had 60 minutes of good hockey in yeah. a three-game homestand, and you, you were 2 You flexed one. on them, but they are the Arizona Coyotes. So I don't know. Do you look at it and say it doesn't matter? Yes, <laughs> I do say that. Right, but not like, everyone Not everyone will. They will s- already this morning. Well, what happens when you play a team that's in the playoffs? You're going to be golfing in a week. No, well, well right. if you think the motivation for a Saturday night against Arizona is the same as game one of a playoff series, like I got some beach real estate to sell you in Saskatchewan. Like it's nonsense. It's completely ludicrous. You don't think players know the difference between game one of a playoff series and a meaningless game 74 against the worst team in the NHL? Stop it. We talked about it. We were at the game, which we'll discuss in a moment. Mm. Uh, it's human nature to me, as much as we would like to say we're at our best at all times. and ever, You're just not. When the pressure isn't real, when the pressure isn't there, you can't just fabricate it and manufacture it like you can, like Vegas did on Thursday. They need every single point. They came out and played hard and strong, and the Flames weren't great, and Vegas took it to them. They needed that game. They absolutely they have no wiggle room or margin for error. And I don't know what to expect over the next couple of weeks. You're not going to want to see the Flames fall right off the table in terms of performance or intensity. But I'd, I'm going to have a hard time being overly critical mm-hmm. if they don't look like the team that we saw in February and March it for would, the most part. It would be nice if they were like lights out dominant here, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is that they find a way to clinch the division, which they don't even have to win a game to do, depending on what Edmonton does in their final, what, six games or whatever it is. Uh, but on most important on the checklist, probably don't get hurt. And that's not really anything you can control. Like that's, that's just a luck thing. It's not like, okay, guys, I know you're trying to get hurt normally, but don't do that tonight. No. And then if you had to have a second thing on the list, it's, what do you need to do to allow Jacob Markstrom to be at his best in May when a series starts? Because we know this tournament and goaltending trumps everything else. Daryl was asked, now that you've clinched, which they did on the weekend, now that you're in, what are the objectives moving forward? Get some guys to play better. Really clear. Our back end's got to play better. There's two guys that have struggled since the All-Star break. Two of them that just came back in played the last two. Got to get their games in order. And- you win with defense. 
when it really matters. So I don't know if he was saying that the two guys that just came back in were the guys that need, or if he's referring to another D pairing that needs to get their game in order. Just from top to bottom, I think, it, and and that, where where is, because it, it's a bit of a slippery slope. You want everyone to get their game better, and you want guys to elevate and be ready. But at the same time, we know it doesn't matter. You have seven games, stay healthy. Not every, I'm, you're going to see probably some load management. I, I don't know that Johnny Gaudreau is going to play all seven. I don't know that you need Lindholm to play all seven. Get some guys in. I think you do want to see Carpenter roll through. You would like to see Adam Rzicka play some. Yeah. Uh, if Brett Ritchie comes in, that wouldn't surprise me. He's probably your 14th or 15th forward, or 13th or 14th forward, depending how you look at things. Will we see a Mackey or a Stone again? Wouldn't be the worst idea, even if someone's just 95%, not 100, dealing with something minor. Give him a day. Don't make him play back-to-back. Now, with that said, we get to sit here and watch. We're spectators. As much, it might be hard for people to believe we don't have a real impact on the team. Despite us feeling like we can curse Because a lot of, like well, to. yeah, a lot of times it's like, you guys need to call it. Well, we don't really have as much influence as we might like to think. But yeah. after the game on Saturday, Johnny Gaudreau was asked, you punch your ticket, seven games left. What's your approach? And I thought it was kind of interesting. Just looking back at that 18-19 year, I mean, we had guys sitting, we had guys resting for playoffs, you know, we were clinched or whatever, we were first in the Western Conference, this and that, and I think we just kind of took our foot off the gas, and for me personally, kind of, you know, can't do that this year, I think, try not to relax and get comfortable the way, you know, just because you're in the playoff spot, you know, I think that's kind of something that that sat with me since that year, and uh, I think a lot of guys on our team this year were a part of that team, and we kind of learned from that. So he's, I mean, you're aware of it. Not that in 1819, you probably were unaware of it. But yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to avoid that pitfall because a division leader that loses in round number one, 82 games don't matter. Nope. Especially games like they just, to our point earlier, like yeah, game they, 75 to 82 when you're already clinched. It, it, it It's not like if they play well here and they don't play well in the first round, they'll be forgiven. It's quite the opposite. It does not matter what they do when we come back and give a report card on the season in these final seven games, unless, no, clearly all that matters is the results in the playoffs. Now, to Daryl's point, he's he's leading a group of 25 men right now. He wants to see improvement. He wants to see them hitting stride. But if they aren't and they still play well in round one, it doesn't matter. It's a bonus if they play well down the stretch here. It, would it be a little concerning to see them not play well? Yeah. If they don't play well and they steamroll a team around one, does it matter? No. This is a hard time to coach and a hard time to play and a hard time to, to even cheer for a team because it's like we're just waiting, aren't we? We're waiting for May 2 or 3. And then you look around at some other teams and it hasn't really – you look at Florida right now. They are they've won ten in a row. They've been in for a little while. I don't think Colorado has been shaking in their boots about missing. They've won nine straight. St. Louis, they they've been in for a little bit. Or I guess maybe on the weekend they clinched. They've won nine in a row. So I don't know. You won on Saturday. Can you win eight straight going in? You'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. The, and, uh, and, and yeah. what do you St. Louis at least is playing for seeding, though. There's there's something there. Chicago tonight, not much left. You've got two against Nashville. They would like to win those more than they'd like to lose them. Minnesota's a tough team. Dallas, obviously, positioning there. Not much for Vancouver or Winnipeg. 
and I know it's it's going to be it's going to be hard to avoid talking about it, but how much Markstrom plays combined with how he plays, because I think that went into maybe the start on Saturday because he got pulled against the Kraken lost two and games. because he got yeah. pulled against Vegas. It was it was probably a planned start. They have these things mapped out. He and uh, Daryl and, and the coach, the goalie and all the, everybody. They got everything figured out. Or just Daryl, but yeah. <laughs> and now you move forward. Well, I think there's some guy has the final say. I wonder if it's now a little bit more flexible given that you've qualified. If they weren't in, uh, here's the plan. We're going to stick to it. You've got to see Vladar in one of the next two here back-to-back. The final two games, it's Minnesota-Winnipeg. You'll see Vladar, obviously, I would think, there. So then what of Dallas, Vancouver, and the other Nashville game? You have been very vocal about it. How many Vladar starts will make you happy? Well, it's not how many Vladar starts. It's it's how much rest does Jacob Markstrom well, need, right? however you want to frame no, it. No, no, but the, the, but the framing's thing. important because it's not about getting Vladar ready for the playoffs. It's I'm, about resting the number one, and I don't know that number, but I think if you had asked the goaltending department before the season started with the magic numbers, they're probably over it already, or at least on pace to be over if he plays five of seven. Um, now, Daryl might tell you that's not true, but you know there's just too many people independent of this coach that have talked about Markstrom's work, workload for years. Um, but, I mean, I think it would be natural to think he gets five of the seven, wouldn't it? Just the two back-to-backs for Vladar? Uh, the other thing is you don't want him to, to rust for seven or eight days at the end and not play just to get him – like he probably will want to have one of those last two because there is going to be that two- or three-day break between the end of the year and the start of the postseason. At Minnesota, the next night at Winnipeg. Minnesota <sighs> might be playing for something there. Winnipeg certainly will not. I don't know if that matters. Factor in that they're very likely to play Dallas in round one. Does that mean Daryl will shelter Dallas from Markstrom, so to speak? No, no, don't look at this guy. Go look at Vladar. I don't know. I'm going to have a hard time with it because if Markstrom doesn't play well, it will only be because he played the games that he played in the regular season. Well, how's he playing right now? That's probably a better question. It won't be that he plays poorly. It will be because of the workload he was given. That's what it's going not, to be. Not necessarily, but that's the fear, right? So why it, he's not played as great as of late? So why? It, I don't know. That's where we it, would lean on workload? people that know more than us about goaltending, and those are the people that noted when Vancouver made the run in the bubble, what happened? He, I just, he played through injury. He wasn't at his best. They they, and that was coming off a huge break. But he had just got injured when the the pandemic pause came in that season. Uh, this is not a goaltender with no history of injury or playing through injury. It's just a bad combination. Uh, if, if you want to think about worst case scenarios, it's a goalie that wants to play even through minor stuff. And it's a coach that loves riding his number one, even though the backup has given him nothing to worry about. It's just too easy a narrative for me to just throw out there. What's the perfect number down it's the stretch? Just, Tell us. I'm What I'm saying is Markstrom may play well, he may play poorly. If he's poor in the playoffs, I just don't know that it automatically becomes because he played X number of games. We're agreeing there. You don't have to make that point. I agree with that. But but I just know how it's going to be. I'm going to sit here and hear about how, you know, 
Kevin Woodley told, told us all about the workload over the last two years in Vancouver, three years in Vancouver. Like it, it can't all, what happened three years, what happened in the bubble doesn't necessarily link point A to B to what's happening in Calgary in 2022. It just can't. So he started 12 of the last 13. Is that the number you're happy with or would you have liked it a bit smaller? If he, are you not You able, can answer though? the question. Are you, you do this to me able? all day. You can answer the question. Is I'm that not, a number not, you like or not? 12 I, of 13 he started. I am not worked up about it one I honestly, I don't think about. The only reason I think about it is cuz you bring it up all the time. So you don't have a you don't have a feel on 12 of like, 13? He went That's in, fine. He went in Saturday. I didn't think about it until I saw your tweet that you were Markstrom again. It's like, well, yeah, he I don't know. He played one period against Vegas. So I know you're not going to answer it because you like asking me the questions and making me answer, not answer when I ask you questions, but it's 12 of 13, and how's his play been? Answer those two for me. Well, he hasn't been, he hasn't been as good. I was going to say great. He hasn't been as good. Right. And 12 of 13, for you, is that a little too much, not enough, or just right? I'm not going to say that's why, though. I'm just asking you a separate question. I'm not saying they're the same. The, the, the causation is not correlation, like... Is 12 of 13 like, how you would want to use him when okay. they've been at the beginning okay, of that I'll, run? We're like 99% to win the division. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll say, yeah, it's pro- I guess it's more than more and, than you'd want. And that's all I'm trying to say, Dean, is that it's probably more than you wanted. They were going to have to fall on their faces to not win the division, which they haven't done, even despite not playing that great in front of a goalie. The backup's given them no reason not to use him, and he hasn't been at his best. So does that mean he's overworked? No, but boy, um, it certainly could be a thing. So let, let me ask you this then. It's Monday the 18th, and if the playoffs start on that, whatever it is, the first Monday next month. Let's call it the 2nd or the 3rd of May, yeah. Monday or Tuesday is probably where they start. So what are we talking? Two full weeks yep. to the day. Mm-hmm. If he plays four games in the next two weeks. That's probably not enough for his rhythm, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the, the, we don't have the information they have, so we don't know if he's got nagging stuff or if, he, if he's like, man, I feel great right now. We don't know. But we do know that he's happy to play through nagging stuff. No, I, I understand so that. So that. the challenge is like you want him to be in rhythm, but you also want to make sure he's feeling his best. So what's, what is the fit there? Without the information they have, we don't know. We don't. But I certainly know that 12 of the last 13 is probably not what the goalie's agent or the goalie's coach would have said is ideal. It's certainly what Daryl pl- thinks is ideal, though. We know that. And that's fine. He's going to win the Jack Adams. There's not a lot to nitpick, but you need Mark Schmidt his best in May 2 or 3. Over a three-week stretch, he played. Now, when did he get yanked in, against Seattle? Because it's all kind of running together. 40 right minutes. Now. They were down 3-1. They win uh, yeah. 5-3. 3-1 to 5-3. So then, and got pulled in the Vegas game, and I think we can all agree that Saturday was not a laborious evening for him. And he so was throwing, he was actually good in the first when the Flames are sleepwalking yeah. after allowing that first one in, which really you can't put on him. It's a perfect play from a bad team. At I just don't know, it, it, in a three-week period where he played four periods basically this past week, and if he plays four of the next seven, let's assume, are you not able to to recoup some of that effort that's been expended to that yeah, point? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have no problem with how they treated this week. It's just the bigger picture. 12 of 13 is like, whoa, are you chasing down yeah, the final play? Enough, That's yeah. what Connor Hellebuck's doing in Winnipeg, and I get it. They, they needed to run the table, basically, to try to get in. 12 of 13 is a ton of hockey. So Vladar started once since March 19th. Mm. That's a month ago. 
You're telling me this team's in first place, had a huge cushion, and over the course of a month, you gave your backup one start. But it, it doesn't matter if he plays well in the playoffs. It really doesn't. And, and if he doesn't play well in the playoffs, it's not necessarily this. It's just that if there was a fear before the year started, this is exactly one of them. I guess so. But, I, hey, plays well in May. We don't need to talk about it again. Uh, 8 o'clock. Our number, we haven't even talked about, uh, I'll move that yeah, in. That's an interesting interaction there. It's always fun when you run into people who saw Pinder at the bar. Well, so we'll talk or even about, outside the bar. We'll talk about that. The event we were at on the weekend, and uh, apparently national anthems continue to be challenging for people. They're really hard because there's all these so many words and, and changing the words and like, geez, yeah. which country's coming in today? Yeah. Like I was just learning the Peruvian national anthem yesterday. I got to learn the Canadian one today. And some nights there's uh, there's two anthems to sing. I'm nervous. Look at all these right? people staring at me. There's a spotlight here. I don't know. Slippery. I'm standing on ice here. Oh. David Amber, when we come back, Sportsnet 960, the fan.